Hello and welcome to episode 144 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, I need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Tara F, Patricia Goodman, Teresa Manley, Lizzie Hoffman, and Appalachian Mama. So look, I'm going to be really honest with you. Again, I had to Google the pronunciation of Appalachian. And what I realised is that when you Google the pronunciation, the British pronunciation is Appalachian. And then the American pronunciation is Appalachian. And then everywhere on the internet, it tells you two different things. So I went for Appalachian. If I'm wrong, I'm really sorry. I've, I've, gotten, it, I've, I've gotten it wrong every time I've ever said it. And I've said it different ways every time. So I'm really sorry. And we've got a promo this week. And this week's promo is the Ghost Gig Podcast. The Ghost Gig Podcast is a fortnightly paramusical podcast bringing you unique tunes and the heebie-jeebies. It's a total scream. And I would like to confirm that it is in fact a total scream. I would recommend that when you're listening to the promo to try and guess what horror films they're singing about. Honestly, the songs they come up with to review the horror movies that they watch are so good. They are so good. So genuinely, try and guess what horror movies they're singing about. It's so fun. Hello and welcome to The Ghost Gig. Hello, uh, that's Alice. My name's Vince. We're two musicians and we have a slightly unhealthy obsession with horror. So we thought, why not put the two things we love together? Yeah, so we watch horror films and we write songs about them. And the result can sound like this. Folks plead and cry, shag and they die and the rest is mostly filler. Or like this. What she's resurrected, the shit goes down. Or this. The zombie cat flick, the zombie cat flick. Yeah, I like that one. Or once it sounded like this. Now Jack is using the monster as a battery. He could buy on your neck and blow a raspberry. We cover stories too. Yeah. The weirder, the wonderful, the better. Oh, absolutely. All things vaguely horrific, uh, like... Exorcisms. Uh, vampires. Ghosts in McDonald's. Drunk ghosts. Hitchhiking ghosts. Cat ghosts. Mysterious beasts. Cannibals. Night hags. Nightmares. And bad dates. <laughs> and lots and lots and lots of... Silliness, usually. Yeah, a lot of silliness. So, if you fancy a bit of musical spooky banter... If you do, you can find us on your favourite or your least favourite podcasting platforms. And you never know. We just, just might scare you a little. So, all there is left to say is... gig. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. So that was the Ghost Gig podcast. Obviously the link to that is going to be in the description of this episode. They are lovely people and well worth a listen. And would you believe it, we have a film review this week. This week our film review is Apostle. Apostle was released in 2018. It has 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb and 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. London, 1905. Prodigal son Thomas Richardson has returned home only to learn that his sister is being held for ransom by a religious cult. Determined to get her back at any cost, Thomas travels to the idyllic island where the cult lives, 
As Thomas infiltrates the island's community, he learns that the corruption of mainland society that they claim to reject has infested the cult's ranks nonetheless, and uncovers a secret more evil than he could have imagined. You'll be very surprised to know that I actually took notes when I was watching this, because this film is quite long and I knew it was going to be heavy, so I knew I needed to pay attention and write notes. So I did write notes, and they involved some bullet points that I now mostly can't remember what they mean because they meant something at the time, but we're going to do our best. As always with these little film reviews, I'm going to start with the things that I really liked about this film because it's only fair to say some positive things. I've got a lot of thoughts and this review is going to contain some mild spoilers. So if you're desperate to watch this movie, skip ahead about five minutes And then come back and listen to it afterwards and see if you agree. So the good points. This movie has a really good cast. And the, I guess the quote unquote bad guys. Although every character is a little bit nuanced, which I quite enjoyed. The bad guys in particular, I think were really well cast. There's lots of interesting characters in it. And there's there's quite an interesting range of characters. So you've got some strong women. You've got some men who are have questionable intentions. You've got the flawed protagonist. So I guess in terms of diversity of characters, it's interesting in that regard. And I do, like I love a good cult film. As in films about cults. I find them really interesting because I think cults in real life or new religious movements are really interesting in general. And I do, I I will gravitate towards a film if it has kind of references to to cult behaviour or cult sociology. And and this is one of those films. And I I think in particular, the leader of the cult, Malcolm, is a brilliant character, a really, really interesting character. And I and I realised that in a lot of the camera, the camera work in this film demonstrates his power a lot so I was there was odd camera angles where I thought that's a really weird that's a strange shot and then I realized it's to make him front and center of the shot which I thought was really interesting the film location is incredible it's beautiful the scenery the bleakness of the island is fabulous because you have this idea that it's going to be idyllic this wonderland this kind of eden for people to escape societal norms when they're actually really struggling so it's quite a bleak landscape which makes it beautiful as well and i do like i like i like how different it is i like that it's an interesting concept this woman being kidnapped and her brother going to rescue her from these people who live in this cult on an island the people on the mainland are aware of the cult it's not a secret and I thought, wow, this this has the potential to be really good. And I remember seeing it advertised on Netflix and thinking, oh, that looks like a very, I don't know how to, else to describe it, maybe grown up horror film. And it looks like it'll be kind of akin to The Witch and Wicker Man. And it definitely borrows very heavily from Wicker Man. And it has that same puritanical misery that you see in The Witch. So they live quite a miserable existence on the island. The other thing that I liked, which is a bit of a spoiler, I guess you find out quite early on, but that the deity that they worship, so they don't worship a traditional Christian god. They seem to keep traditional Christian values, but the deity that they worship on the island is a real deity. And you find that out quite early on in the movie, which I liked, because sometimes in these films, you have a lot of ambiguity as to whether... 
the deity or whatever they worship is real or whether it's in their imagination or whether it's kind of a Lord of the Flies type hysteria that there isn't really a monster in the woods. But they do, there is a deity on the island and she is what they refer to the deity as and she is quite early on in the film demonstrated to be a real entity, which I thought was interesting because I, in the beginning I wondered, oh, wow, where can where can this go and what are her powers and what does she do and how did they find her? So that I thought was new and refreshing. So there are some good points about it, but there are also some terrible points about it that maybe weren't very good. <laughs> it's a very violent film. That's my first bad point. It's very violent very bloody in particular and that's important to the storyline but I guess for some people that might be a bit difficult but the you know blood is important to the story it's important to the deity and it's a very it's just very needlessly violent I think I that's subjective because I particularly struggle with violence in films I find it difficult to watch and this is one of those films where it's oh it's violent it is it's a lot the other thing is that there is a lot of animal animal sacrifice demonstrated in the movie, which again, I found difficult to watch. It was relevant to the storyline. It wasn't incongruous to the story, but it just, oh, I found it very jarring. And yeah, from the very beginning, there was a lot of, a lot of sacrifice of animals. And I, I find, I found that quite difficult. And I wondered at what point it became just a bit torture porny. There were bits of torture where I thought, oh gosh, you know, I, I, I don't need to see this. We don't need to see this. And I guess it was to demonstrate the violence of the people in the cult. I understand that, but it was a lot. If you're like me and you're a bit sensitive to violence, I don't think this is a this is a movie for you. I want this to be a film that I walked away from like The Witch and thought, wow, that was clever and a slow burner. But it just wasn't. And I think a part of that is to do with the protagonist who is played by Dan Stevens, who is a very, who I like as an actor, but I found his character actually quite boring. There wasn't really any depth to him. They tried to give him a backstory, but that backstory was in the form of uh, a kind of a minute segue about him doing a missionary and and then being tortured, which actually needed a bit more depth and detail. And then they gave him a laudanum drug addiction uh, which again didn't add anything to his story. It it kind of was just a bit irrelevant aside from the fact it made him appear to be tortured. And he seemed to cure himself of his drug addiction just Im- immediately at one point, just decided he didn't want to take the drugs anymore and that was it. There was no negative consequences. So, I mean, maybe people have been getting how to come off drugs wrong all this time. I don't know. And Dan Stevens's character had the answer. So it was very, very strange and your character is boring. That's the note that I literally wrote was Dan Stevens's character is boring. I just wish he had a little bit more depth for a protagonist because I think the most interesting character was the cult leader because he was nuanced and it was a clever, it was a clever way to write a character. And we didn't actually learn that much about his past, but I think for characters like him, it's okay to be a little bit, a little bit ambiguous, but Dan Stevens, his character needed a bit more depth. He's got very blue eyes though, but I don't think having blue eyes that are, you know, deep like the ocean can a character make. 
there was another character that I found interesting and I watched him for a very long time in the movie and I thought, I know you from something. I know you from somewhere. And then I realised he's the weird brother in the movie The Lodgers that keeps trying to have sex with his sister. And at the time, I said, incest is bad. That's the moral of the story. Don't have sex with your sister. Because in another universe, as it turns out, you will get your comeuppance. So all in all, it's okay. Tries to be a bit wicker manny, leans too much into the torture porn. Not really my thing. I liked the idea of having this incredible deity and actually being being really straight and upfront about the fact that there is a deity. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was interesting. So I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it a three out of five. Which brings us to our story this week. Now, I wanted the story this week to be woodsy. And what I mean by that is I wanted it to be something to do with the forest, something to do with the outdoors. And I had this great idea about doing stories to do with the forest, which will, you know, come up again later. And I decided that I was going to start with a story that's been sent to us many times. And I realised when I tried to find the origins of this story that there was a whole other story built into it. And I spent ages just reading with my mouth open because I couldn't believe I'd never come across this before. And as always with every story that I do, the links to where I got these stories from are in the description of this episode. There's a lot, there's swathes of it that I haven't included that are more human than paranormal and I would highly recommend if you've got some time or if you want something to read, to go to the description and click the links and read these stories because my word, they will haunt your soul for real. So let's get into it. For the last three years of doing this podcast, the stairs in the woods phenomenon has been sent to us countless times with people requesting that we do an episode all about them. This episode isn't dedicated to the stairs in the woods, but it seemed like a good place to start. The stairs in the woods story started where all good stories do, in the depths of Reddit. A user named Search and Rescue Woods posted a number of stories about experiences that they had had while conducting search and rescue operations. I decided I'd find the stairs in the woods story, talk about how they happened, talk about where the stairs came from, and then lead into other stories. But while I was searching for this story as an intro to this episode, I found that the stairs in the woods were only a tiny fraction of the stories that this person had to tell about their time as a search and rescue worker. And let me tell you, some of these stories are intense, so hold on tight. I've been an SAR officer for a few years now and along the way I've seen some things that I think you guys will be interested in. I've a pretty good track record for finding missing people. Most of the time they just wander off the path or slip down a small cliff and they can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing and they don't wander too far. But I've had two cases where that didn't happen. Both bother me a lot, and I use them as motivation to search even harder on the missing persons cases I get called on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. 
He and his sister were together, and both of them went missing around the same time. Their parents lost sight of them for a few seconds, and in that time, both the kids apparently wandered off. When their parents couldn't find them, they called us, and we came out to search the area. We found the daughter pretty quickly, and when we asked her where her brother was, she told us that he had been taken away by the bear man. She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet, that he wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother, he was riding on the shoulders of the bear man and seemed calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction. But we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man, but that he was tall and covered in hair, like a bear, and that he had a weird face. We searched that area for weeks. It was one of the longest calls I've ever been on. But we never found a single trace of that kid. The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mom and her grandpa. According to the mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest. And she never came back down. They waited at the base of that tree for hours calling her name before they called for help. Again we searched everywhere and we never found a trace of her. I have no idea where she could possibly have gone because neither her mother or her grandfather saw her come down. I was teamed up with another SAR officer because we'd received reports of bears in the area. We were looking for a guy who hadn't come home from a climbing trip when he was supposed to and we ended up having to do some serious climbing to get to where we figured he'd be. We found him trapped in a small crevice with a broken leg. It was not pleasant. He had been there for almost two days and his leg was very obviously infected. We were able to get him into a chopper and I heard from one of the EMTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. He kept talking about how he had been doing fine and when he'd gotten to the top, a man had been there. He said the guy had no climbing equipment and he was wearing a parka and ski pants. He walked up to the guy and when the guy turned around he said that the guy had no face. It was just blank. He freaked out and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast, which was why he had fallen. He said he could hear the guy all night, climbing down the mountain and letting out these horrible, muffled screams. That story bothered the hell out of me, and I'm glad I wasn't there to hear it. One of the scariest things I've ever had happen to me involved the search for a young woman who had gotten separated from her hiking group. We were out until late at night because the dogs had picked up her scent. When we found her, she was curled up under a large rotted log. She was missing her shoes and her pack and she was clearly still in shock. She didn't have any injuries and we were able to get her to walk with us back to base ops. Along the way, she kept looking behind us and asking us why that big man with black eyes was following us. We couldn't see anyone, so we just wrote it off as some weird symptom of shock. 
But the closer we got to base, the more agitated the woman got. She kept asking me to tell him to stop making faces at her. At one point, she stopped and turned around and started yelling into the forest, saying that she wanted him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him, she said, and she wouldn't give us to him. We finally got her to keep moving, but we started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us. It was almost like coughing, but more rhythmic and deeper. It was almost insect-like. I don't really know how else to describe it. When we were within sight of base ops, the woman turned to me, and her eyes were about as wide as I could imagine a human could open them. She touched my shoulder and said, He says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. I have a very small scar on the base of my neck, but it's mostly hidden under my collar. I have no idea how this woman saw it. Right after she said it, I heard that weird coughing right in my ear, and I just about jumped out of my skin. I hustled her to ops, trying not to show how freaked out I was, but I have to say I was really happy when we left the area that night. Now, I don't know if it is true in every SAR unit, but in mine, it's sort of an unspoken, regular thing that we run into. You can try asking about it with other SAR officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors, and at this point, we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness... I'm talking 30 or 40 miles. At some point, we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some, and the other officer just told me not to worry about it, that it was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go and check them out, but I was told, very emphatically, that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it happens so frequently. They come in a variety of shapes, sizes, styles and conditions. Some are pretty dilapidated, just ruins, but others are brand new. I saw one set that looked like they came from a lighthouse. They were metal and spiral, almost old-fashioned. The stairs don't go up infinitely or farther than I can see, but some sets are taller than others. Like I said before, just imagine the stairs in your house, as if someone cut and pasted them in the middle of nowhere. I don't have any pictures, it's never really occurred to me to try and get some since the first time, and I don't really feel like risking my job over it. One of my first jobs as a trainee was a search op for a four-year-old kid that had gotten separated from his mom. This was one of those cases where we knew we were going to find him, because the dogs were on a strong scent trail, and we saw clear signs that he was in the area. We ended up finding him in a berry patch, about half a mile from where he'd been last seen. The kid wasn't even aware that he'd wandered that far. One of the vets brought him back, which I was glad for, because I'm not really good with kids, and I find it hard to talk to them and keep them company. As my trainer and I were headed back, 
she decided to take me on a detour to show me one of the hot spots where we tend to find missing people. It's a natural dip in the land near a popular trail and people will usually move downhill because it's easier. We hiked out there, it was a few miles away and we got there in about an hour or so. As we were walking around the area and she was pointing out the places that she had found people in the past, I saw something in the distance. Now this area that we were in is about 8 miles from the main parking area. Though there's back roads you can take to get closer if you don't want to hike that far. But we were on state protected land, which meant there can't be any kind of commercial or residential development out there. The most you'll ever see is a fire tower or a makeshift shelter that homeless people think they can get away with building. But I could see from here that whatever this thing is, has straight edges. And if there's one thing you learn quickly, it's that nature rarely makes straight lines. I point it out, but she doesn't say anything. She just hung back and let me wander over and check it out. I got within 20 feet of it, and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. It was a staircase in the middle of the fucking woods. In the proper context, it would literally be the most benign thing ever. It was just a normal staircase with a beige carpet, and it was about 10 steps tall. But instead of being in a house where it obviously should be, it's out here in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted, obviously, and I can see the wood that it's made of. It's almost like a video game glitch, where the house has failed to load completely and the stairs are the only things visible. I stood there, and it was like my brain was working overtime to try and make sense of what I was seeing. My trainer came and stood next to me, and she just stood there casually, looking at it, as if it's the least interesting thing in the world. I asked her what the fuck this thing is doing here, and she just chuckled. Get used to it, rookie. You're going to see a lot of them. I started to move closer, but she grabbed my arm. Hard. I wouldn't do that, she said. Her voice was casual, but her grip was tight. And I just stood there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't go near them. Don't touch them. Don't go up them. Just ignore them. I started to ask her about it, but something in the way she was looking at me told me that it was best if I don't. We ended up moving on and the subject didn't come up again for the rest of my training. She was right though. I'd say about every fifth call I go on, I end up running across a set of stairs. Sometimes they're relatively close to the path, maybe within two or three miles. Sometimes they're 20 or 30 miles out, literally in the middle of nowhere. And I only find them during the broadest searches or training weekends. They're usually in good condition, but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for years. All different kinds, all different sizes. The biggest I ever saw looked like they came out of a turn-of-the-century mansion and were at least 10 feet wide, with steps leading up at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried talking about it with people, but they just give me the same response my trainer did. It's normal, don't worry about it. They're not a big deal, just don't go close to them or up them. When trainees ask me about it now, I give them the same response. 
I really don't know what else to tell them. And I'm really hoping that someday I get a better answer. But it hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to pause there briefly before we go any further. And there are more stories from this particular person. Holy moly. First of all, I just want to say that the stairs in the woods phenomenon has been discussed ad nauseum. And I think it's pretty much since this particular post went viral. And I think people were really drawn to the idea of there being stairs in the woods. So a couple of things that we need to kind of address before we go any further with the stairs in the woods phenomenon in particular is that some of these stairs are there because they were part of a house or a shack or some sort of hunting lodge and the rest of it was removed or it has dilapidated over time. So some of them do have a genuine real explanation. Some of them are ladders that are going up into hunting lookout points. I can't remember what they're called. I know they have a particular name, but I don't remember what it is. And there are also really famous examples in Italy, in the Philippines, of big stone structures of steps uh, that are found in the middle of the forest. And again, it was once part of an ancient structure that has since fallen away. So some of them do have very logical and realistic explanations. In fact, I think probably most of them do. And it feels like the stairs in the woods phenomenon in particular has a sense of the uncanny valley about it, that you are in the wilderness, in nature, with nothing man-made around you, and suddenly there are a set of stairs in front of you, which is a very man-made human indoors object. So it, it probably would feel really freaky to see a set of stairs in the middle of nowhere. There are tons of pictures of these stairs in the woods online if you look them up. Some of them are probably photoshopped. Others are very real and very ancient. So it's it's really interesting to see that they're there. In terms of them themselves being something negative, I think they're probably not. I think it's of the ones that are real. It's an older structure that has dilapidated away or they were there for a particular reason at one point. And I don't think there's any real mystery behind them, except for the fact that they're just fundamentally freaky by nature, because it's not something that you would expect to see. The other parts of this story, of this person's experiences, I, I mean, I don't really, I don't really know what you, what you say to them. Uh, they're all awful. They're horrendous. The person who fell and broke his leg and had a serious infection his story about the person with no face and the muffled screaming was the story that made me stop when I was reading this and like break out in a cold sweat. And I just want to say as well that while I'm recording this, I'm sitting again in the dark office with the curtains open. I really need to stop doing this. And I am convinced I'm going to look up into the one of the houses opposite me and see a man with no face or hear the muffled screaming. Either way, If that happens, I'm just going to dissolve. I'm just going to melt into the floorboards and never be seen again. But very possible that he, with the infection in his leg or whatever, he was hallucinating or in some sort of infection-induced psychosis. Who knows? But I just... Putting yourself in that situation, if you were injured, stuck in one place, and you're hearing the muffled screams of... of somebody with no face. I mean, no. It just, it's really scary. And I did think as well, when the the story about the man with the big eyes, I thought, again, you've got somebody who's in shock and shock can make people do weird things. Even dehydration can make people do and say weird things. 
And then the scar at the base of his neck. I was like, no. I, I just, no. Horrendous. And that coughing insect noise. I just hate all of it. I'm never going into the woods again. Not that I spend that much time in the woods, but that's not the point. I'm never going again. And if anybody catches me in the woods, I want you to, I want you to, to tell me. I want you to say, hey, remember the guy with the, with the no face? And then I'll be hightailing it out of there. Okay, so let's continue. A lot of my less outdoorsy friends want to know if I've ever seen the goat man while I've been out on calls. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, I've never had anything quite like that happen. I guess the closest was the whole black-eyed man thing, but I didn't see anything. However, there was one call where I had something kind of similar happen, but I'm not sure I'm willing to chalk it up to the goat man. We'd gotten a report that an older woman had fainted along one of the trails and needed assistance getting back down to the main area. We hiked up to where she was at and her husband was just by himself. He ran, well I guess more jogged to us, to tell us that he was a little ways off the trail looking at something when his wife started screaming behind him. He ran back to her and she had passed out on the trail. We get her on a backboard And as we're getting her down to the welcome centre, she came to and started screaming again. I calmed her down and asked her what happened. I can't remember verbatim what she said, but essentially what happened was this. She had been waiting for her husband when she started hearing this really strange sound. She said it sounded sort of like a cat, but it was off somehow and she couldn't quite figure out why. She went a little ahead to try and hear it better and it sounded like it was coming closer. She said the closer it got, the more uneasy she was until she finally figured out what was wrong. I do remember this next bit because it was so weird that I don't think I could forget it if I tried. She said, It wasn't a cat. It was a man saying the word meow over and over, just meow, meow, meow. But it wasn't a man. It couldn't have been. Because I've never heard a man make his voice buzz like that. I thought my hearing aid was going out, but it wasn't. I adjusted it and it still sounded all buzzy. It was awful. He was coming closer but I couldn't see him and the closer he got, the more scared I was. And the last thing I remember was a shape coming out of the trees. I guess that's when I fainted. Now obviously I was a little perplexed as to why a guy would be out in the fucking woods chanting meow meow at people. So once we got down the mountain, I told my superior that I'm going to go search the area and see if I can find anything. He gave me the go-ahead and I grabbed a radio and hiked back to where she fainted. I don't see anyone, so I kept going about a mile more. And when I headed back, I went off the trail to see if I could figure out where she saw him coming from. It was almost sunset by this point, and I didn't have any desire to be out at night alone. So I just sort of wrote it off and made a mental note to check it out again tomorrow. But as I was heading back... I started to hear something in the distance. 
I stopped and I called out for anyone in the immediate area to identify themselves. The sound didn't come closer or get louder, but it sounded exactly like a man saying meow, meow, in this really odd monotone. As comical as it makes it sound, it was almost like the guy on South Park with the electrolarynx, Ned. I went off the trail in the direction that I thought it was coming from, but I never seemed to get any closer. It was almost like it was coming from all directions. Eventually, it just sort of faded out, and I ended up going back to the welcome centre. I didn't get any further reports like that, and even though I went back to the area, I've never heard that exact sound again. I suppose it could have been some stupid kid out there fucking with people, but even I have to admit... It was weird. And this is by far the scariest thing that's happened to me. I guess maybe I've tried so long to forget about it that it just didn't come to mind right away. As someone who spends literally all of their time in the woods, you don't ever want to let yourself get scared of being alone or out in the middle of nowhere. That's why when you have experiences like this, you tend to just forget about them and move on. This is, to date, the only thing that's ever made me really consider if this job was the right one for me. I don't like talking about it much, but I'll do the best I can to remember it all. As I recall, this took place right at the end of spring. It was a typical lost child call. A four-year-old girl had wandered away from her family's campsite and had been missing for around two hours. Her parents were completely despondent and they told us what most parents do. My kid would never wander away. She's so good about staying close. She's never done anything like this before. We assured the parents that we would do everything we could to find her and we spread out in a standard search formation. I was partnered with one of my good buddies and we were sort of casually holding conversation while we hiked. I know it sounds callous, but you do sort of become desensitised when you've done this for long enough. It becomes the norm. And I think to a certain extent, you do have to learn to desensitise yourself in order to work in this job. We searched for a good two hours, going well beyond where we think that she would be. And we came out of a small valley when something made us both stop in unison. We froze and looked at each other. And there was almost a sensation like a plane depressurizing. My ears popped and I had this odd sensation of having dropped about ten feet. I started to ask my buddy if he felt that, but before I could, we heard the loudest sound I have ever heard in my life. It was almost like a freight train passing directly by us, but it's coming from every direction at once, including above us and below us. He screamed something to me, but I couldn't hear him over this deafening roar. Understandably freaked out, we looked all around us trying to find the source of the sound, but neither of us saw anything. Of course, my first thought is a landslide, but we're not near any cliffs, and even if we were, it would have hit us by now. The sound went on and on, and we were trying to yell at each other, but even standing close together, we couldn't hear anything but this sound. Then, as suddenly as it started, it stopped. Like someone threw a switch and cut it off. 
We stood there for a second perfectly still, and slowly the normal sounds of the woods came back. He asked me what the fuck just happened, but I just kind of shrug, and we stood there looking at each other for a minute. I got on the radio and asked if anyone else just heard the end of the fucking world, but no one else heard it. Even though we were all within shouting distance of each other. My buddy and I just sort of shrugged it off and kept going. About an hour later, we all check up on the radios and no one has found the little girl. Most of the time, we don't search when it gets dark. But because we don't have any kind of lead on her, a few of us decided to keep going, including me and my buddy. We kept close together and we were calling out for her every couple of minutes. At this point, I was hoping beyond hope that we would find her, because while I may not like kids, the idea of them being out all alone in the dark is awful. The woods can be intimidating to kids in the daylight, and at night, well, it's a whole different beast. But we weren't seeing any signs of her or getting any responses. And at around midnight, we decided to turn around and head back to the rendezvous point. We were about halfway back, when my buddy stopped and shone his light to the right of us into really thick deadfall or a group of dead trees. I asked him if he's heard a response but he just told me to be quiet and listen. I did and in the distance I could hear what sounded like a child crying. We both called the girl's name and listened for any kind of response but it's just this really faint crying. We headed in the direction of this deadfall and go around it, calling her name over and over. As we got closer to the crying, I started getting this weird feeling in my gut. And I told my buddy that something wasn't right. He told me that he felt the same way, but he can't quite figure out what it is. We stopped where we were and called the girl's name again. And at the same time, we both figured it out. The crying is on a loop. It's the exact same little hitching sob, then wail, then quiet hiccup, repeated over and over. It's exactly the same every time. And without saying another word, we both took off running. It was the only time that I have ever lost my composure like that, but something about it was so incredibly wrong and neither of us wanted to stay out there anymore. When we got back to the rendezvous, we asked if anyone else had heard anything strange, but no one else knew what we were talking about. I know it sounds sort of anticlimactic, but that call fucked me up for a long time. As for the little girl, we never found a trace of her. We keep an eye out for her and all the other people who we've never found. But frankly, I doubt we ever will find anything. I need to be really clear as well before we start talking about this, that I'm not in any way, shape or form making light of people going missing or trying to make people going missing into some sort of paranormal, supernatural horror. Like it's it's horror enough for the families involved without adding those supernatural elements to it. So I, I'm not trying to, you know, belittle the, the what families go through when somebody that they love goes missing. So I just want to be really clear about that. Um, 
that's horrendous. That that made me come out in a prickly coldness, to be really honest. Like it, it made me feel funny all over right from the point of the roaring sound. I just don't, I don't understand what that could have been in such a tiny localised area that nobody else heard. And then to hear the sound of this child crying on a loop, repeated over and over again in the woods. What was making that sound? And listen, don't even get me started about the the, the person meowing in the, in the woods. If that's not paranormal, if that's just some person trying to fuck with people, like they're going about it the right way. Because that's terrifying. I'd faint if I was in the woods and I heard what sounded like a man meowing in the distance. I would faint. For real, 100%. These stories have really put me on edge. And I'm not okay about it. I think, I think, I think when you're in the woods, again, I'm not a seasoned person who has, who, who, you know, goes to the woods. I'm not a hiker. I'm not any of those things. I know that might come as a shock to a lot of people listening to this, but I'm definitely not an outdoorsy type of person. And I think if you're not an outdoorsy type of person like me, normal everyday things that happen in the woods would probably seem really strange and frightening. For example, like when people hear foxes screaming for the first time, it's really scary. You think, oh my God, what is that sound? That can't be natural it can't be an animal it can't be a human whatever so there's going to be things if you're not a seasoned hiker that are going to be terrifying but if you're somebody who works in the woods or is a search and rescue officer then oh no 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 you're used to being in the outdoors right and is this person just a really good storyteller have they just made up these incredible stories i don't know I did wonder how much of the story of the stairs was embellished afterwards after they realised that the story was really popular or that the story on Reddit, the post, the original post on Reddit had become popular. But I don't know if you were thinking about a horror in the woods or some sort of, would you really write about a man meowing? I don't know if you would. I I don't know. I, I mean, answers on a postcard. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I am thoroughly, thoroughly freaked out at the moment. Uh, The links to everything that you need for today's episode are in the description of this episode as always. If you would like to send in your own spooky story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next week.